folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Draft season is here. Come on, come on. There you go. To break down every need. They're not going to pick a quarterback. They need offensive linemen. They need defense. Every pro day. He had a phenomenal pro day. Explosive, really good in the three cone, the broad jump. And every mock. You could probably tell me if you think the Vikings would actually do it. I can tell you as a draft analyst that they absolutely should. Welcome to the Chris Trapasso Draft Show on Purple Insider. This is a good podcast to listen to leading into the draft. Hello, welcome to another Chris Trapasso draft show here on Purple Insider with CBS Sports draft analyst Chris Trapasso. Buddy, it's draft week. This is your Super Bowl. This is your what's the big NASCAR thing that everyone cares about. Daytona 500. That's what this is for you. It is a week that I feel more energized than any other week of the entire year. And Thursday, that day, to just get to 7 or 8 o'clock is going to feel like an entire week in and of itself. I'm going to basically pull a whole nighter after round one because I have to do like a second round mock draft and and winners and losers after round one. I might even be on the CBS podcast afterwards. So it's going to be late, but I'm going to be like running on pure adrenaline. We just have to get through what is the craziest rumor week of the year or four <laughs> days of the year. But I'm so excited that it's finally draft week. Absolutely. Yes, me too. And uh, if people didn't hear me mention it, I'll be on WCCO's social channel. So on Twitter, on Facebook, streaming with some of their personalities as well. I'll mention that a few more times. So when it comes to that time and you're looking for Vikings coverage, you could just go to theirs and I'll tweet it out and everything else uh, and send out a reminder to subscribers and everything. So uh, yeah, but it'll be the same here, like doing a stream, and then doing a post podcast and then doing articles and everything else is part of the fun that you only get a handful of these times a year where you are, uh, you know, putting in a, a 15 hour day or something. And it's great because the NFL draft is actually happening. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to to get us on record here before the draft on things that we are sure about that will either happen or sure about players. I left it vague because I wanted to see your interpretation for things we're sure about. So I'm just going to let you start with your first on your list, and then we'll bounce back and forth. Things we are sure about with the NFL draft. So what's first on your list? All right, I'm going to take the one that is the low-hanging fruit that you have uh, taught me about or told me about, and you would probably – have said this at some point, but I'm just going to go ahead. It's, it's the Chris Trapasso draft show. 
that the Vikings will either pick an offensive or defensive lineman at 14. We'll start with just a softball. So what do you think about that? I mean, we've got to be in agreement that that's where they're going to ultimately go, one of those two spots at 14. Okay, one of those two spots, yes, but here would be my question. Do we think that actually happens at 14? I think Ooh. it's I, I think it's very um, you know, astute to be looking at offensive and defensive line here. Those are the two by far needs. That's where I would say 95% of mock drafters have mocked the Vikings is either a Jalen Phillips type, a Christian Derisaw, or an Elijah Vera Tucker. Those players, I think, are way up on the who you would gamble on the Vikings to take. But can they be the team that trades back? Because I look at picks 10 through 14 as all teams that could trade back and could have a lot of interest, especially if there's a quarterback hanging around. So I wonder what the odds are you think that they could actually trade back. I think they're actually pretty good because I I do think, and this is not something that I'm sure about, but I, I do have a feeling that one quarterback will fall outside of the top 10. Like it seems as though uh, they'll all go there because that's just what all like every mock draft has had for a long time now. I just get a sense that either it be Mac Jones or Justin Fields or people aren't as enamored with Trey Lance being that he only had one year starting experience. He was 19. The exhibition game against Central Arkansas wasn't that good. I think one of the quarterbacks will fall maybe well outside the top 10. And then as you were saying, you're sitting there at 14. We know or we're pretty sure that the Vikings won't pick a quarterback there. Then you have the Washington football team. You have the Chicago Bears, I think, that would be offering an arm and a leg to get up to 14 to pick Justin Fields if he falls or Trey Lance or maybe even Mac Jones at that point. Teams would think, hey, that's good value, you know, even if we ultimately have to trade up. So I think it's pretty good. I I would say maybe... 50, 60% chance that they trade back. They haven't done that a a ton recently in round one, but I think there's a pretty good opportunity because I I do, and it's kind of layered in with my thought that a quarterback will ultimately fall. All right, so let me ask you a follow-up here. Uh, And I don't know what they would do if Trey Lance was on the board. That's the one where Mm. I'm like, would you do it? He is from Minnesota. If uh, it's never been mentioned before by any, (laughs) all the local news channels who have interviewed a high school coach by now. Uh, But, um, are, are you sure or would you say that it's the right decision for them to go either offensive or defensive line? If they stay at 14, let's say that they do that and they don't have a trade down opportunity. Is that the right way to go? Or would you say, look, you should really just take a best player available. You should take a wide receiver. You should take Christian Barmore. If he's there, like uh, if they, well, Barmore is a defensive lineman, but is that, I mean, is that kind of set for you that that's a good idea? It is, and we've talked at length about Kirk Cousins and his stranglehold on the starting position at quarterback, Uh, so that needs to factor in, that I I could have, you know, I could talk about draft theories forever with you and say, hey, you should just pick a quarterback, pick a quarterback, pick a quarterback. For the situation with Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer wanting to win now and Kirk Cousins, again, having that stranglehold on the starting job, I think you should probably go offensive line more so than defensive line, especially that's how the strength uh, aligns at that position. Like Barmore, yes, you could say, hey, we picked the first defensive lineman off the board potentially. You could kind of tout it as that. But if you want to get the most out of Kirk Cousins, you know, give him better protection. So I, I think that 
for the Vikings organization this year, given the situation at quarterback. Um, and if you're going to tell me that the top three wide receivers are gone, yeah, go offensive linemen. Uh, and that's usually a position that you're going to get good return on investment in terms of longevity of being on your roster. Okay, let's just do this right now instead of waiting until the end. I am going to go on record and say the Vikings pick Elijah Vera Tucker. That's going to be my here's who they're taking bet. Give give me your bet now, and then we'll move on to other things we think we know. I think it will be Christian Darasaw from Virginia Tech. Think he, uh, you're thinking he makes it there? I think he does make it there. It feels like Vera Tucker has recently and is, again, trying to uh, – filter through all the draft speculation recently, like late last week into the weekend, some buzz about him going like maybe to the giants at 11, like that he's for whatever reason, uh, risen up boards a little bit. Uh, so I, I am almost thinking that I, I don't believe that, that your choice of AVT at 14 is a bad one. I just don't think he's going to be there. And then at that point, Penny Sewell's probably gone. Rashawn Slater's gone. Elijah Vera Tucker's gone. Christian Darasaw is probably the consensus number four offensive lineman. Very young, you know, explosive, long arms, powerful. I think that would be a good selection too. So someone on the offensive line, I think we both agree that's where the Vikings are going to go. I think that you've been on Vera Tucker for a very long time. Um, really, I mean, going back when we were doing the Prospect podcast, which is your podcast, uh, I mean, even just in, in the middle of the season, talking about who could be very interesting and his name kept coming up. And, and uh, I just feel like he's a great fit for the Vikings because he has future left tackle potential and left guard right now potential where mm-hmm. he, I think even if he struggles, will be a much better left guard than what they had last year or the last three years, actually. So that, that's why I'm going a lot. Elijah Vera Tucker, I think he's really good, really good prospect with some positional versatility there that they could use. So sort of a now and later type of pick. And he fits like the zone blocking scheme to a T. He's a crazy athlete. I think Christian Darasaw is too. Not really flexibility into guard though. So I think you being the insider, your your uh, on the record pick is probably better than mine because of what you laid out. The versatility and what I just said, just the fact that he is very balanced, very powerful, but he is a crazy mover like on the move he is going to block everything in that zone blocking scheme there is a few uh that i have gotten in recent years correct uh brian o'neill i had in the second round correct on my final draft sim a few years ago and i think garrett bradbury was another one that we talked about a lot when they picked him but i will say and justin jefferson as soon as jalen rager was taken i think the entire universe drafted justin jefferson for the vikings but uh this is the most unsure that i have been going into a draft so i I will say that Uh, things that I am sure of you started to talk about and I want to talk about it more. I think one of the five quarterbacks drops and I don't know if that means available at 14 because if you're the Philadelphia Eagles and someone says, Hey, we'd love to jump up from 24th to 12th and give you, you know, the rest of our franchise or something for Mac Jones or Trey Lance. Well then, you know, Philadelphia might do that. The giants might do that. Like who knows? Right. But, Mm -hmm. um, I just don't believe, and this, it could be wrong, but I, I just don't believe that these five quarterbacks, the whole league agrees, or the top te- teams all agree that they're all worth a top 10 pick. And so three of them will go one, two, three. I'm sure of that. But I think that there's the other two where there are debates raging across the NFL, and some teams might absolutely love Mac Jones, and other teams might 
not be able to stand Mac Jones. So I, yeah, I think that that's how it goes. And, and just historically, that's kind of how it's gone. Like there's always the one guy who slips through the cracks. Yeah. I'm kind of like thinking with this, uh, like what the foundation of that thought is for me. And it's almost like all of these quarterbacks in their own right have been so hyped up during this draft process at one point or another. I don't know if it's like the pandemic and everyone's just on their phones, but like, there's been so much hype for these five quarterbacks. And what you just said, I think is the perfect point that historically uh, that just hasn't been the case where there's five quarterbacks that go inside the top 10. So I think you turn on your TV, you check Twitter, you're seeing a highlight reel of Mac Jones or why he's going number three, or why Justin Fields is getting uh, pushed down the board unjustifiably or why Trey Lance is the guy that looks like the next Patrick Mahomes. They're almost like artificially boosting these quarterbacks up to this crazy elevation where yeah I think some teams might view a few of them as top 10 picks but after Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson I think they're like you said it is a wide disparity around the league I think like one at the back end of the top 10 and then another one in the middle of round one seems to be where ultimately the league that's obviously not as influenced by like Twitter or social media campaigns and highlight reels will ultimately land on this top group of quarterbacks so two out of the last three years, there has been discussions about five quarterbacks going in, in the first round. And in 2018, it happened just barely with Lamar Jackson being the one who dropped. And then in 2020, it was Jordan Love who was the one who dropped. And I put that in finger quotes drops because I didn't really think he was a first round quarterback. There were a lot of people who seemed to question him, you know, based on his last year at Utah State and whether he could be a first rounder. Still, there were mock drafts that had him going in the top 15 picks and he ultimately mm -hmm. ends up being, you know, not that guy there. And then even Jalen Hurts too had some discussion as could he be a late first round draft pick? He ends up in the second round. So I just think that, that that's likely. Uh, do we think it's more likely Trey Lance or Mac Jones? That's the one who drops. Or, or I mean, or I, I guess I'll open it up for anybody except for Trevor Lawrence for you. I think to rank it, I think Mac Jones is the most likely to drop. That I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that this whole 49ers at number three, it's like if he doesn't go there, like we haven't heard about any other teams that really like love Mac Jones. Like there hasn't been anything like the Panthers would draft him to, to – have it be competition with Sam Darnold, or there's a team, you know, the, the Chicago Bears love Mac Jones. They would love to get up into the top 10. So I think it could be him, and then Justin Fields, and then Trey Lance. I think every team might feel somewhat differently about Trey Lance, all the teams in the quarterback market, but they all realize, like, he is a redshirt guy. His talent on film is undeniable. And I think he kind of is more positioned to be that new age quarterback, the improvisation, the arm talent. So I, I don't think there's any team that's like, we need to draft Trey Lance and we need to trade up to get him and we're going to start him week one. I think everyone kind of feels the same with Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Um, and I don't really get why people aren't really liking Justin Fields like a lot more, why he's not more of the consensus third quarterback. Uh, it's kind of hard to pinpoint why teams don't like them. So I think, Mac Jones, if he doesn't go three, we could see him fall quite, quite far, like outside the top ten. 
Folks, the football offseason is off and rolling, and SodaStick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. Some of my favorite football designs that you have to check out include the Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor gear. You can commemorate Randy Moss's disgusting act on a shirt or a hoodie. And if you're old school, check out the Purple People Eaters design as well. Go to SodaStick.com and check them all out. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your Minnesota sports-inspired gear. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Plus, keep your eyes and ears out for our giveaways going on on this show as well on social media. Follow them at SodaStickCo on Twitter and at SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose the ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. Maybe this is just how the draft works, but I've kind of come around on thinking that if I was the Jets, I'd take Justin Fields. It seems like it's a foregone conclusion that they're not going to. How do, how do you feel about that? Just like the more that I've studied and read and, and watched YouTube videos from JT O'Sullivan and everything else, I just feel like Justin Fields is a better a better prospect. I mean, in part because the guy runs a 4-4 and is a tank and has the arm strength and accuracy and everything else. And when I watched Zach Wilson, it was super fun, but I'll admit, the guy never had a lick of pressure. I mean, he was just do whatever you want. It was, it was backdoors or uh, backyard seven on seven football a lot of times. I think I would go with Justin Fields here. The strangest uh, draft lock of the past couple months was when Zach Wilson just catapulted Justin Fields and became the guy for the Jets at number two. Right after the college football playoff, because Justin Fields played very well in that, and Trevor Lawrence didn't really play that well. Uh, there was a lot of talk. We probably talked about it on the Prospect Podcast. Like, is Justin Fields, like, not that much worse of a prospect than Trevor Lawrence? And then I think, like, more people started to catch up on college film, maybe some head coaches around the NFL, like if their teams were in the playoffs and whatnot, uh, kind of caught up, watched Zach Wilson, and we watched him just go from, oh, yeah, maybe a mid-round pick, maybe top ten, to number two, and then that was it, and it was over. So I, I did have Zach Wilson graded like 200th of a point higher than Justin Fields on my big board, and I did that grading very early. I always like to grade the quarterbacks like before any of the hype machine gets going. Um, so technically, just based on that, which I'm obviously evaluating the entire draft class as a whole, I would say Zach Wilson, but you've mentioned it, the Provo, Utah to New York City media, 
Uh, I think Justin Fields coming from Ohio State and Georgia and being a top recruit and being in the spotlight for marquee programs probably has made him more better suited to go to the New York Jets and try to fix this franchise that's been looking for a quarterback for so long. So you could sell it to me that way, absolutely. And just the fact that he went from being close to Trevor Lawrence to maybe going outside the top 10 and Zach Wilson being entrenched at number two to the Jets. And, and yeah, it would be close for me. I like both guys. It's just to me, Justin Fields with his physical attributes and the They're quality better. of competition that he played. Yeah, I, I think it's decidedly better. And some of the other people that I trust and like their opinions have talked about, the quality of competition that Zach Wilson faced was not only bad, it was an atrocity. So I mean, it was just a complete joke. So, you know, uh, I guess uh, who knows how it'll work out. If it was me, I would take Fields at number two. So what's the uh, next thing that you are sure of in the draft? All right, because everyone wants to talk quarterbacks, uh, I'll just segue right to – my big prediction, it's not really that big, I guess. Mac Jones is not going to go number three overall. We're going to hear it for the next three days leading up to the draft, maybe even the morning of. Actually, I would say the morning of if like Adam Schefter tweets something like the 49ers are leaning toward Mac Jones, and you could probably say that that's going to happen. But we're going to hear a lot about like they like him, they like him. I just do – it does not compute in my head because I, I know – that how smart of an offensive mind uh, Kyle Shanahan is. And he has coached Mac Jones before. He, he basically has coached Mac Jones before. And yes, they got to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. He held them back in that game. Uh, the most talented quarterback he's had is Matt Ryan. He got to a Super Bowl with him, won an MVP. He made the trade, he and John Lynch, to pick either Trey Lance or Justin Fields. I just cannot believe and will not believe, refuse to believe, that Mac Jones will go number three overall. I'll also say, or Zach Wilson, because, I mean, yeah. the mockers think, but that doesn't mean anyone's ever said it. Like, Joe mm -hmm. Douglas has not said, oh, yeah, we're actually drafting Zach Wilson if he's You're right. there. So uh, I think when they traded up, they figured if we can get Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, then those are the two guys that we want. And, yes. you know, the other thing, too, I, was, I mean, Mac Jones just, like, why would you not, if your dad coached, oh, I don't know, John Elway and won Super Bowls with John Elway and went to a lot of other Super Bowls with John Elway, uh, why would you not look at someone like Justin Fields and be like, that's the arm I've been looking for. That's the athletic profile I've been looking for. I mean, you know, John Elway could play center field in Major League Baseball, right? I mean, you had that kind of athlete in John Elway and who could fire bullets down the field with, you know, the low, maybe the lowest trajectory of anyone ever at throwing the ball 40, 50 yards down the field. And that's what I see with Justin Fields. The ball doesn't have to leave the picture on TV when he fires it. I don't know. I just feel like you, you had Matt Ryan. A, a like really good version of that type of quarterback. You had Jimmy G also a good version of that type of quarterback and you couldn't get over the hump. Aren't you looking for something different? It just doesn't really add up of, Oh, well he can scheme it. Yeah. But what if you scheme it for someone who's ridiculously good? And what's so fascinating about Kyle Shanahan is that everyone like has kind of crowned him. I think justifiably is like, you know, the best play designer, play caller, offensive mind. He's been the coach for four seasons in San Francisco. They went to a Super Bowl. The other three seasons, they had a losing record. So I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think he's just, even though he's one of the still younger coaches in the league, he's like fed up. Like he's like, I do not want to coach Jimmy Garoppolo or CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins anymore. I want a high level talent. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast or just other radio spots I've been on. 
being in Buffalo and watching all the Bills games, after Josh Allen tore up that really good defense on Monday Night Football last year, Kyle Shanahan, I, I don't know what the exact quote was. You can look it up. He, like, ranted in a positive way about Josh Allen and said, like, that's the type of quarterback that you need today. You need someone that can be elite. He used, like, the word elite multiple times. Like, you need someone that can raise the level of everyone on your team that can do stuff when the defensive is, uh, like, when the play is schemed perfectly to stop him. It was almost like taking a shot at the quarterbacks that he's had, and, like, that's what I ultimately want. And to your point, I, I think we've heard about, like, the 49ers haven't really settled on who they want. I think maybe that's what happened initially, like what you said. They said, let's get to three. We're going to get Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, and we would be fine with either because we know that Kyle Shanahan is going to get efficient quarterback play out of either of them. If they would have stayed put at 12, said, okay, you know, let's maybe have a chance to pick Mac Jones here. Like, that wouldn't have been out of the question. Uh, but I, I just think that Kyle Shanahan is fed up with the – Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo types, and we'll pick that supreme athlete at quarterback. I remember having a conversation with an offensive coach once who talked about how you can scheme a million different things, but what the game ultimately comes down to on a couple of plays is there's a guy on the other side who's going to beat your offensive line is going to blow up your play. And how do you handle that? Like if your guy gets blown up on the offensive line and gets a sack, then it's over. And if your guy escapes it and makes a play, then you might win the game. A lot of these things just come down to who has that ability to make that extra play. And we saw that from Josh Allen on on many occasions this year. And we saw it from Justin Herbert at times, like these younger quarterbacks. We didn't see it from someone like Tua. And and I think that that, even that recency bias, but it's also correct. um, I I think that 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 all points to Kyle Shanahan will like one of the either dynamic guy in Jack Wilson or the guy with the physical ability Justin Fields. And then we'll all have to ask the question, so who were these sources saying that it was Mac Jones? That's what I love about draft season is, hey, no you, could just, you could just report a bunch of things that aren't true and weren't reliable and, and everyone forgets about it the next day because they're so excited to have their football players. I'll give you my next one, which is a running back. I do not know who, but a running back will still be taken in the first round this year. Prove me wrong, Chris. Well, I stole what probably could have been yours with the Vikings going O-line or D-line, and you stole one of mine there. <laughs> uh, I said that there will at least be one, if not two, running backs that go in the first round. We have gradually moved away from like running backs going in the top 10, which was actually not that long ago. Like Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette went inside the top 10 in 2017, which is crazy to think now. But... I still believe with the Steelers, potentially the Bills, um, maybe even like the Buccaneers at 32, the fact that Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are really good running back prospects, I, I, I think that most of the league has smartened up, but I still think there are GMs and offensive coordinators that can be convinced like, hey, I am a Travis Etienne away from having an amazing offense, and uh, who cares about what happens three or four or five years down the road? Let's just pick a running back. I, I def like that's I would lock that in. Whatever the bet is on that, if it's point five, like if it's over under a half in terms of running backs going in round one, I would say over. There will definitely be a running back, and I wouldn't be shocked if there's two. All right, who's the mark then? Who who's the team that you say? Yep. 
they're going to be the sucker to draft the running back. Is it the Buffalo Bills? That I mean, that looks like their big weakness, but man, like learn from Kansas City guys that there are four or five running backs in this class who could be great for you. And you just took Zach Moss with a fairly high pick and that did nothing for you. I mean, do you really want to do that again? What was he? Maybe a third rounder? Third I mean, rounder last yeah, year. like, do you really want to do that again? I, I don't know. I could I mean, I could see it because they could look at it and say, that's our need. That's what gets us over the top. Thurman Thomas was great for us, but you know, unless the guy's going to add to the passing game, like Thurman Thomas, I don't think you want to do this. I could see it being the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, mm. that is, uh, with GM, uh, Kevin Colbert, who is one of the best GMs in the NFL. If the off, if a lot of offensive tackles go off the board in front of them at 24, which I think they will, and a fair amount of the corners are gone. I don't know if like they would take a gamble on someone like Caleb Farley at corner. And they might say, there's not an offensive tackle worth picking here. We don't want to reach on a cornerback. We don't like Caleb Farley with the back injury. Let's pick someone in Najee Harris who reminds us a lot of Le'Veon Bell when, no, we never got to a Super Bowl, but our offense was really, really good. And he is a multi-dimensional guy that's very big that might not have the off-field uh, diva-type concerns that Le'Veon Bell had. Uh, so it wouldn't shock me if it were the Bills. I do think that they understand that the pass game is how you win in today's NFL. It wouldn't shock me, though, because they have said, like, we need to upgrade our running game. But I could see it being the Steelers, especially you just look at their running back room, and it is barren right now. And Ben Roethlisberger talked about it. Like Tomlin said, you know, our run game was a big problem. I don't think they want to necessarily come out and throw it 50 times a game with Big Ben anymore. If they could add a, a dynamic weapon in Najee Harris, uh, I could see that being the pick at, at 24 if the board falls in a specific way. Yep, I agree. And I would also say to them, I think the reason that you didn't do a very good job running was probably your offensive line. It got old, and it was no longer blocking the hell out of people for Le'Veon Bell to literally at times walk behind as they pushed people back. I'm just saying it was probably that. And the reason they looked better than they probably were last year, their offensive line was that Roethlisberger got the ball out as quick as anybody in the NFL last season. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I thought that the way they played said a lot more about the line than it did their running backs. Well, sorry for stealing that one from you. What's the next, what's the next on your list? (laughs) That we are going to see nine offensive players go off the board from one to nine. And we haven't seen, that much of a run to start a draft I think ever that's just on one side of the ball that's just on the offensive side of the ball I think I saw a thing that Champ Bailey was the number seven overall pick in like 90 was it 98 draft 99 draft and every draft since then there's been at least one defensive player in the top six I think we're going to get all the way to number nine the Cowboys seem somewhat of a telegraphed selection like whether it be corner or somewhere on defense for them but the first nine picks, I am sure, are going to be quarterbacks, receivers, and offensive tackles. I think that, yeah, I think that that's a great bet. Just because I don't really know who you would take there. Like, who is a good enough prospect that can also make that big of a difference? I like a couple of the corners, but give me a coin flip for which one is going to be better than the other one. It doesn't seem like it's really decided whether it would be Sertan or J.C. Horn, Asante Samuel, Greg Newsom. Like, all these guys are kind of talked about the same way. And the same goes for pass rushers that one of the first things we heard in this draft was there is no Nick Bosa. 
And when there's mm-hmm. no Nick Bosa, there's no somebody who can come in and get 12 sacks right away for you and be a franchise player for a long time, then you're probably not taking him there. Because if you're talking about situational guys, you could sign Adrian Claiborne for a million and a half bucks to be a situational guy. Like, that's not what you're looking for. And I even looked at the boomer bust athlete prospects um, since J.J. Watt was one uh, at 11th overall, I think. And I found that, like, it's basically a coin flip to whether the guy ends up working out. Like some of the, it literally is boom or bust. They become really good or not a whole lot with these freak athletes. And I don't think you want to take that at like fourth overall if you're Atlanta. Yeah. And the edge rusher spot, I mean, I think that is still a premium position, but all the edge rushers, there's like a clear, uh, like mark on their draft resume. Like Jalen Phillips, his film is amazing, but he retired from football for a year. The concussions, like what if he gets a concussion in his rookie season? Is he going to all of a sudden be like, hey, I'm done? Like I think teams would be worried about that. Uh, Aziz Ojulari, my top edge, him being a little smaller, only being a redshirt sophomore, I think uh, that might scare away some teams. Like is he really a three-down player right away? Quiddy Pay only played four games in 2020 and is still – ascending in terms of using his hands like he's a good athlete didn't test as well as people thought and wasn't quite as big as people thought like he was listed at like 6'4 275 and he was like 6'2 260 uh so there really is not there normally is like a guy that it's hard to kind of uh find a a clear-cut flaw on his resume but this draft class at the edge rusher spot like all of them have question marks and same with corner like I think the one position that could kind of crash the all offense party in the top nine would be like JC Horn because he tested really well. Like he's got the NFL bloodlines, Patrick Sertan coming from Alabama testing well, but I mean, there are clear cut flaws on their film. So you would think in any draft class, if a team or like the NFL or teams in general would be like, Hey, we're going to just watch the film. Cause we don't, we don't know as much about these guys. We didn't get to meet with them. They didn't get to play full seasons it would be this draft class. And J.C. Horn is very, very grabby on film. If he doesn't really beat you up at the line, I don't think he's great at mirroring, despite being a really good athlete. And then Patrick Sertan, I don't think he's crazy fast down the field. And you can just tell that his athleticism, his twitch, is not to the standard of J.C. Horn or even Greg Newsom or Asante Samuel. So, yes, good prospects. Yes, first-round prospects, but not a top-10 Patrick Peterson-type corner. The team that I think might do it would be Carolina. That is mm-hmm. possible that they would continue to draft high defense after, uh, I mean, really, like their weapons are pretty set with Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, and more. They've got people there. Um, I mean, I'm always team go get more weapons, but they could look at it and say, we really couldn't cover anyone last year. We need more corners and decide to take one there. That's the one that could blow it up, but I think it's, it is a good bet to make that there will be a lot of offensive players at the beginning. Uh, so let's see. My next one is about Rashad Bateman. I think Rashad Bateman, I'm going to say I'm sure of it, is going to be a steal for somebody. That when Rashad Bateman is taken, I don't know if it'll be day one, if it will be day two, very early in the second round, that we are going to look at Rashad Bateman and go, man, how did he end up in the middle of the second or early in the second? Bunch of teams passed on Rashad Bateman. Boy, they made a mistake. You know who I felt about this last year, and I think there's some correlations between how they play even is Michael Pittman. I felt the same way, where he was talked about as maybe a first-round pick, and then he ends up going in the second to Colts, uh, to the Colts. And 
Uh, I think that's a, it turned out to be a very good pick for them. Bateman does not have anything sexy to him. He didn't win the Heisman. He didn't run a 4-2. And I've, I've seen a lot of receivers right in front of my eyes succeed that didn't have that one sexy tool that everybody loved, like Henry Ruggs' 4-2. So I'm going to say Rashad Bateman drops in this draft that I'm sure that he's not going to be like a top 15 pick and that he ends up giving somebody a home run draft pick. Yeah, I think he's going to actually go into the second round. I really do. It just seemed like uh, there's more of a chorus of that he's like a clear tier two or tier three wide receiver in this class. But to your point, I mean, watching his film, and I just said about the edge rushers, there's a clear-cut flaw. When I wrote Rashad Bateman's scouting report in my grading system, like I was like, what is the like legitimate flaw to his game? He's one from the inside. He's one from the outside. He broke out at an early age. He, he's not a 24-year-old prospect. That's a redshirt senior. Good in contested catch situations. He's pretty good after the catch. Runs good routes. Not going to drop a lot of passes. Uh, so I think me learning from my mistake, he kind of reminds me of Justin Jefferson where I was like, oh, Justin Jefferson, he's just a slot, and he was really uh, benefiting from having Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase next to him, uh, and he had to be schemed open, but he turned out he was just good in all three or three or four phases of playing the wide receiver spot. I agree with that. I think he'll go in the early second round to a team, maybe one of these teams that's drafting a quarterback at the top of round one, and will ultimately be like a number one wide receiver. We've seen a lot of a really good wideouts go in round two, over the past three or four years that definitely in any redraft would have gone much earlier, well into round one. Hey everyone, we have a new special offer to tell you about with our friends at Symbol. If you go to Symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P, and sign up as a first-time user with a $20 deposit into Symbol using the promo code PURPLE, you will receive six months free of premium Purple Insider written content at purpleinsider.substack.com. So go to Symbol.app. Deposit $20 if you're a first-time user, six months free of our premium written content at Purple Insider. If you are not familiar yet with Symbol, it is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we are fully into draft season, you're going to want to get in now with your team before their stock rises. Here's how it works. You buy stock of teams, and when your teams win, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. So check it out, Symbol.app. Follow them on Twitter at SymbolExchange, and check out the... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline marketplace for sports. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... 
Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 877-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. This is kind of the segue from wide receivers. I think even even with Rashad Bateman, not like I don't think he's going to go in the first round. I still think we see five or more wide receivers go inside the first round. Uh, we know the top three are going to go somewhere, you know, Chase and Waddle, probably top 10-ish. Devontae Smith maybe outside there. And I still think, like, Elijah Moore, because of the production in the SEC, he improved his statistics in all three seasons at Ole Miss, tested very well. I still think the pro day workouts are going to matter to a lot of teams. And then, like, Kadarius Toney wouldn't shock me. Terrace Marshall from LSU. I still think we get to that five wide receiver threshold, if not more, in the first round. Speaking of more, what do we think of Rondale Moore here? And mm. K- and Kadarius Tony, I'll throw in there too. I actually made, and maybe you could say it's a little ridiculous, but I made a little bit of a comparison between Kadarius Tony and Justin Jefferson because they played in the slot almost exclusively on great, great offenses and there are dynamic athletes with the ball in their hands, things like that. Uh, so I wonder if teams will maybe not value him as much because he played in the slot, or if they'll say, I remember making that mistake last year and saying that a guy is only a slot, when almost really now, if someone is a slot in college, that tells you good things about them when it used to be kind of a criticism. Yeah, and I think uh... – teams understand like that we are in an era where it's like get a guy in space. And like, that's why everyone likes Jalen Waddle and Rondell Moore. Like Kadarius Tony is like, yeah, his routes can take a little bit too long. Sometimes he uses like basketball jukes, but he is dynamic in space. Like he is one of the scariest guys in this draft class in space. What's interesting about him is I thought he was going to be a lot smaller. And then he measured it at almost six foot and a hundred and, 93 pounds so he's like not that much smaller than like Rashad Bateman who was listed at like 6'3 215 and he was like six foot 190 so I think people thought oh he's a like with Tony he's a slot receiver he's maybe 5'9 185 pounds and he has like outside receiver size in today's NFL and you're right I think the slot only designation is shouldn't be a bad distinction anymore because we're even seeing guys like Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs, like they play a third to uh, almost half of their snaps inside in the slot, just give them more space to operate, to win against press at the line a little easier, and then just create more after the catch. I think playing in the SEC on a great offense, testing well, and then measuring in bigger than his size, I think we're going to go back and say, why didn't we not have Kadarius Toney well inside the first round, like the whole pre-draft process? I'm going to give you one more. I'm sure of madness. That's what I'm sure of. I'll tell you why. Because I was reading a Q&A with Mel Kuyper today, and Mel Kuyper was talking about how in his 43 drafts or whatever, that this is the least sure he's been about one. Whoa. 
that he said it's it's the most uncertain with the weird circumstances with the pro days instead of the combine with all you know all the things that have gone on around it that it's the least certain he is so i don't know whether madness means trades whether it means hey we all mocked you know tevin jenkins at 27 and he went fourth or something like that who knows right but i think the mocks and the guesses and the reports and all those things that there will be several things that go totally way off the board from what we expect when we get to draft night. Yeah, that is the best prediction of this podcast. I think that uh, for all the reasons that you just pointed out, I think we're going to see a fair amount of trades and there will be like, I always say like, and I don't know what the record of, getting the most mock draft picks correct is. But I remember looking back and I get like entered into these mock draft contests. I don't care about them whatsoever. But like in 2018 or 2019, Daniel Jeremiah got eight of the 32. I don't know if he got like the, where they were picked correct, but he got like the prospect and the team pairings correct. And so that to me was the first time I had ever looked into that. And I was like, wow, that is still extremely low. Like that's not a lot to get right to have like your leading insider to piggyback off what you said with the madness. I think we're going to see like three or four prospect team pairings, like beyond Zach Wilson and obviously Trevor Lawrence, like those other 29 or 30 picks. I think if you get three or four, right, you are completely lucky, but you will look like the smartest mock drafter air quotes <laughs> um, on the internet, because I think there are going to be, uh, and what that will lead to is all the mock drafts leading into Friday will be like, look at how much talent is on the board. All these guys, yes, this guy 100%. was mocked inside the top 15 and he's still sitting there like Rashad Bateman, Caleb Farley. There's names that we're not even thinking of that we're sure somewhat that today are going to go in the first round that are going to be available in round two, maybe even into round three, because uh, I think a big thing, no combine that at the combine, uh, there's a lot of executives out, they're drinking, they're talking to people, not necessarily to me, but like big insiders, there was not that meetup of mm-hmm. the entire NFL industry. I mean, there was a Super Bowl, but then, I mean, but obviously that was different. But the combine week, it's like five days of, yeah, like the workouts obviously matter, but you're not really doing a ton throughout the workouts for a lot of these people, unless you're like a draft analyst like myself it's all about going out to dinner and like going to the restaurants and 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 staying out super late and hearing everyone say hey well we really like Sam Darnold and we don't and we like Josh Allen like that didn't happen so I think there is more uncertainty than ever before if little old me can go to the combine and come away with a bunch of little nuggets then I can't imagine what Adam Schefter and Rappaport end up getting so you're you're right about that it feels like the level of certainty is lower than it's ever been which is great for us that's awesome right exactly we just we don't know the ending to the movie and we never do but we really don't this time so um Mm -hmm. you are going to continue to do Chris Trapasso draft show for next week and the week after that so we're going to carry it all the way through so we can break down every part of the NFL draft with you but as we go into it, I just wanted to say that I can't thank you enough for doing this and doing this each week in your busiest season because I learned so much from you uh, from from doing this and from what you do on your podcast, the Prospect Podcast. So I appreciate all of your time, and I'm excited for both of us, man. It's going to be really fun, and Matt, thanks for having me on this. 
Thanks for thinking of this idea. I've learned a lot about the Minnesota Vikings. Like I feel like beyond being a draft guy, I know a fair amount about the Bills living in Western New York, watching a lot of their games. Now I know a lot about the Minnesota Vikings. And I've learned a lot about draft philosophies from you as well. And it's going to be fun. We said, what, last episode, over under Vikings draft picks, you said over 12, over 11. So yes. we're going to have a lot to talk about. Maybe, I mean, we can split it up, or if you want to cram them into one podcast, I'll have a lot to say. I can, no hindsight, I can read right from my grading system, my scouting reports, and what I thought about every single draft pick that the Vikings made. Yeah, I think we'll do like rapid fire day three, and that will still take maybe a half an hour to get to yes. the number that. Yep. Uh, which, by the way, I'm going to stay with the bet that it is going to go over. We had over, over 11, so if it's 12, I win. Is that right? Or over 12? 12 or more? I think it was 12 or more. 12 I or will, more, I think. Yes, 12 or more. I will add that I forgot that they got a draft pick taken away for some nonsense with a practice squad player. So they only have 10 instead of 11. Oh. But oh. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stay with it. I'm not going to change the bet. They love but, those seventh so, rounders. Yep. Yep. So they don't have a seventh rounder right now. They will. I can They'll get one. So. Okay. All right, Chris. Great stuff. And just enjoy your week, man. This will be fun. Thanks, Matt.